thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. We have a phenomenal conversation with an, one of our favorite doctors, Dr. Niti Gupta. Thank you for being here, Dr. Gupta. How are you? Doing well. Thank you, Giovanni. It's, it's a pleasure to be on the Ravi Huddle again. And yes. thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. And uh, before we get started today's conversation, we're going to be diving in into the world of three critical mistakes to avoid when parenting in this new social media age. Thank you all for being here. And uh, here we go. The Daily Huddle is a growing tribe of passionate people who want to uplift humankind through their work and throughout their communities. We invite you to elevate the way you experience life through rich and inspiring conversations with today's thought leaders. Be prepared to challenge your views about leadership, health, money, spirituality, communication, and relationships. Welcome to The Daily Huddle. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. We like to stay here for three years now. I think this is episode, we even lost count of the how many episodes. Sorel doesn't count how many episodes anymore. This is episode 900 and something as far as I know. I mean, it's been now a while. And we like to say here that the way you start your day gives you the rest of your day, right? It is not a small thing that you're here. It is not a small thing that you woke up this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get started. Thank you, Stan, for being here. Harumi, thank you for being here. Pleasure. So very good, Dr. Gupta. You have been here in the past, so it's really great to have you back. I'm just going to say a few things about the iceberg that your life is a little bit, you know? I'm just going to point to a tip of the iceberg of your life uh, so that we we all get to know a little bit about yourself. So Dr. Oops, sorry. Dr. Niti Gupta is a pediatric endocrinologist and an award-winning researcher. She has been featured speaker on several podcasts, including BMJ, Switch for Good, The Daily Huddle with us, and how is how it is done? Nidhi has authored over 100 peer-reviewed articles, book chapters, and essays. Dr. Nidhi Gupta completed her medical school at Maluana Azad Medical College, New Delhi, in India. Pediatric residency at Children's Hospitals of Michigan, Detroit, and Pediatric Endocrinologist Fellowship at Mayo Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota. She has also been a TED Talk speaker. She also started the movement uh, Reconnect. Dr. Gupta, thank you for being here. And this time, we're we're I, I, just to give people a context of um, one of the one of the reasons we invited you back is because you have uh, you have taken on for yourself also being responsible for the social conditions that we now find ourselves right the the social. And, and some, I, I wouldn't say social condition, but the, the impact that mobile screen time devices has had in our society. And then you have been someone who says, no, wait, let me take responsibility for that. We, we need to have more friends in this conversation. Dr. Gupta, you wanna, would you like to share a little bit of how this started for you? Yes, absolutely, Giovanni. I ran into a situation about three years ago 
at work. And that changed who I am, who I was, who I am now, what I was doing and what I am doing now. So I was born and raised in India. I did my medical school in India. Then I came to the US for my residency and fellowship. Life was great. I was hired as an attending physician at a prestigious academic institution in Nashville. I was um, churning RVUs. I was seeing patients day in, day out. Life was great, wonderful. A couple of years into that practice, one day I was typing my note on a patient that I had just finished seeing and it just hit me. I was like, what am I, what am I doing? The, the patients that I'm seeing in my clinic, they have nothing endocrine about them. I'm not giving them any medications. There is nothing wrong with their hormones. About 90% of the patients that I'm seeing in my endocrinology clinic, which is where the abnormality or the science of hormones, have nothing to do with endocrinology. It's about their lifestyle and their unhealthy lifestyle and the unhealthy lifestyle of their parents, which is, as I found out, believe it or not, rooted in excessive screen time. I sat through numerous conversations in exam rooms with adolescent girls and boys and their parents, both of them throwing each other under the bus as to who spends more time on Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat. And I found myself helpless. I'm like, okay, I have 20 minutes to spend here with you. I don't see any reason why as an endocrinologist, I should be prescribing you any medication. There is a need here, there is a blind spot here, but I just do not have the time to, to bring up and discuss this very socially sensitive topic in the limited 20 minutes that I have with you. So I sat with that thought for a little bit, and then I decided I cannot be resigned about this issue. If this is what is going to be the chunk of my practice, well, then I've got to do something different about it. So I left my job and I started my own pediatric endocrinology practice where I had the luxury of time. Time to take care of not just endocrine issues, but to go into the deeper, uh, the root cause of where those endocrine issues are coming from. I was seeing obesity, pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes, early puberty, thyroid issues, polycystic ovarian syndrome, irregular periods. I'm talking about children. I'm a pediatric endocrinologist. And all of these stemming from unhealthy lifestyles. So then I launched the movement called Freedom, Freedom Foundation, which is spelled with a PH, on freedom, to help us all ungrip devices. The mission of freedom is to empower lives, one family and one screen at a time. Now, just because the name of the foundation is Freedom with a PH, it doesn't mean that we all should give up our smartphones and go back to using a flip phone. That's not the point. The point is, it's not just about reducing screen time. It's about forging more nurturing relationships, finding a life of purpose, realizing what is it that truly matters. Mm. Wow, this is this is such an incredible topic. And, and thank you for dedicating your life to, to the possibility that freedom is, right? Uh, and, and also dedicating your time and your knowledge to educate and a community that maybe we're starting to catch up, but certainly uh, there has been a significant resistance. And I, and I would say, Dr. Gupta, and I don't know if you have an insight on this, a significant resistance mostly from the adult world to, to take a look at the impact on them. Because I'm imagining 
that our children, right? The topic today, three critical mistakes to avoid when parenting in the social media age. I imagine that parents do have a say in the behavior of the children. Yet, if I as a parent don't really see anything wrong with having a, la uh, uh, a smart device while we go to dinner, you know, you're entertained and I can be entertained. If I don't see anything wrong with that, I'm not really going to influence my child. What have you found that are these critical mistakes or what have you found that where is the resistance from the adult world? That is a very nice segue, Giovanni, into the critical mistake number one, that parents unintentionally, I can't blame them, I'm a parent too, unintentionally might be making when parenting children in the social media age. That mistake number one is to expect their children to not role model the parents. Expecting the children to not role model the parents. So let's dig into that a little bit. If you were to imagine sitting at your home, in the living room on your couch. Um, before I uh, continue describing the situation of all of the people who are on the call, how many have children between the age, children or grandchildren between the ages of 10 to 18? You can either unmute yourself or raise your hands or... Okay, Stan, all right. So Stan, I have a question for you and feel free to unmute yourself. Let's say you are at your home sitting in your living room on the sofa with your cell phone and you are engaged with your screen and your child is hovering around somewhere there. They're looking at you, looking at your screen. What do you think is happening to your child's brain in that moment? I think I think Stan walked, walked away as the moment you were going to start asking the question. But he walked, okay. he walked away before you started, so I just want to defend him a little okay. bit. Okay, <laughs> all right. But I'll all answer right. I'll answer the question though. So if if my child say thirteen years old more or less, or or my own child, my, my child yeah. is seventeen. Stefano, how old is Stefano? Stefano, Stefano is seventeen now. Okay. And uh, if I'm sitting in the couch and he sees me, he's walking around, blah blah blah, and he sees me on the phone. What could be going to his brain? Is that the question? How is he feeling in that moment in regards to you? Well, I would say, for simplicity, I would say, oh, he's busy. He's doing something else. And uh, he is entertained doing that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous and stuff, and I would say, it's not that my father doesn't love me. It's that he's tired or something. But, you know, I'm ignoring him also in some degree. So you both are ignoring each other. So the child is feeling less important. The child is feeling less respected. The child needs the attention, but the child is not getting the attention. Does a child have attention deficit? Of course, a child has attention deficit because the child needs the parent's attention and they are not getting it. Does a child have ADHD? Well, that's a different question altogether. Now, the same situation, what if right now in the middle of the huddle, I walk up, stand up and walk away to a corner, grab my phone and start looking at it, how would that leave the rest of you feeling? It would leave me feeling... Neglected. Um, reject, neglect. 
in an awkward place. Like, I don't know if I should call you out, if I should grab your attention, or maybe that would be rude. In a very awkward place, also rejected. It would leave me feeling that way, yeah. Yes, rejected, disrespected, as if you don't matter. Right now, neglected. Somebody put in there, Florence put in there, neglected, yes. Right now, everybody on the call has my undivided attention. I have your undivided attention. What is that doing to our brains? We are producing a hormone called serotonin. It's a mood-lifting hormone. Serotonin comes from real-life connections, and it fills the need for dopamine. Dopamine is the anticipation hormone that makes us reach for that phone. Because in the phone, we find rewards at unpredictable intervals, likes, comments, emails, new text messages, new, new being, buzz, shine, notifications, badges, banners. They keep us active, they keep us engaged, they keep us going back for more because we are constantly secreting dopamine in our brain. So when we are making real life connections where we are giving each other undivided attention, we are making serotonin and filling the need for dopamine. So expecting our children to not role model the parents is not going to work. They are going to follow what they see. That's the mistake number one. Giovanni, what do you hear? Oh, this is really great. So, um, so one, I can't expect my child to not model me. So I can't say, Stefano, you have attention deficit disorder. If I'm not giving him attention, it's like it's kind of like, okay, I thank you, but you're not giving me any attention, right? So that I can't do that. The other thing I'm hearing is, and this is this is might be. And might might need a little more explanation, but I'm in a simple way. What I'm hearing is that the chemical that uplifts me and creates a good mood for me is serotonin, and it comes. It's created by having undivided attention with someone, getting somebody's attention. So that chemical is important to me, but I won't have it through a text. I won't get it through a like. I won't get it through. Um, any of the engagements that there are available on, on social media. So therefore, I become weaker in my mood. I become weaker in that sense. I don't have serotonin by simply getting the attention from the phone. That's what I'm hearing. And my child is also dealing with that. Absolutely. Serotonin stays in our system for four to six hours. So once it starts gushing through our veins, it stays in our system for longer time. Dopamine stays in our system for one to two minutes. And so we constantly need more and more and more hits of dopamine to keep feeling that level of pleasure that our brain has gotten used to. So with that, let's move on to the critical mistake number two that parents might be making. And Stan, welcome back. That's all right. I have a question for you, Stan. How old is your child? Well, it was my grandchildren, actually. One is okay. 14 and one is 17. Okay, let's talk about the 17-year-old. Do they have a smartphone? Absolutely. All the time. Attached to yeah. their head. <laughs> At what age were they given their smartphone? i tell you the truth about it. I think, I think their mom, my daughter, um, actually gave them their phones and they were probably both in like, well, you know, the, well, the, the girl, 17, probably when she was about, whoo. I don't know, maybe about 12 or 13, because, you know, the thing was, uh, 
she felt like she, you know, she wanted them to be able to contact her or she wanted to be able to, you know, speak with them uh, whenever she wanted to, uh, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. But they were not supposed to have it in school. You know, they were not supposed to have it in school. And probably the same age, my grandson, probably the same. Same age, around 12. And who paid for the phone? The parent, my, my daughter did. Now, if you were to put yourself in your daughter's shoes, then what purpose did it serve your daughter to give smartphones to her children at age 12? Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. I think that I think that if you spoke to her right now, she would still justify it. And she said it made her be able to be able to stay in contact with them, you know, check on them when they got out of class or make sure they made it to school when they should have gotten there. And, you know, um, you know, she's a single parent. And that she was just able to not have the blackout periods that would make her probably stress a little bit more. So she would justify them having their phones. And from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you were saying she's going to justify it, but maybe she's not justified in justifying it. And when you were raising your daughter many, 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 many years ago, when there were no smartphones, how did you make sure that she was safe? <laughs> you pretty much, you know, you just had to rely on what systems were already in place. You know, you had to ask them to give you a call when they got a certain place or whatever it was like that. And quite often, you know, you weren't always satisfied with those results, you know, but um, that was what you had to work with at that time. But the bottom line is you managed it. Yes, it got we done. managed it. Now yeah. we are gripped by FOMO. The fear of missing out. Exactly. The FOMO plays so much on our minds and our heart. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, that what if That's right. does not let us make any sensible decisions. So mistake Marcia number two. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So as parents, mistake number two that we might be making unintentionally is we give in to the peer pressure hand over smart devices to our children and hope that the outcome will be different for our children than what it has been for everybody else. People often ask me, my patients often ask me, what is the, what is the right age to introduce the smartphone to a child? There are several campaigns out there. One of them is Wait Till Eight, which advocates do not introduce smartphone until your child is in eighth grade. I would like you to think twice about that because your child might not be ready when they turn eight. Before introducing a smartphone to your child with or without parental controls, parental controls is a conversation for another day. It's important to evaluate your child's personality at baseline. Does your child have low self-esteem to begin with? Are they shy? Do they have procrastination tendencies? Are they sensitive to boredom? Do they have impulse control issues even to begin with? If yes, Introduction of the smartphone is highly likely going to make these personality traits worse. Giovanni, what do you hear before I go on to the third one? Well, I hear a lot of things, uh, but go ahead and go to the third one, given that the daily huddle happens so fast, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll collect everything. Okay, sounds great. Mistake number three. Expect children to exercise the force of their willpower to get off their devices. Expecting children to use the force of their willpower to get off their devices. In the brain, there is a center called the prefrontal cortex. 
It is the part that controls our executive functioning skills. What are the executive functioning skills? Organization, impulse control, sustained attention, and emotional regulation. These skills or the prefrontal cortex in the brain is not fully developed until mid 20s. Impulse control is not fully developed in teens until mid 20s. We are placing content in their hands, which has been developed by experts that are backed by millions of dollars, experts who know how psychology works, how reverse psychology works. So they know how to develop content that is novel, that is adventurous, that is malicious, that is violent, and keeps us coming back for more. We expect our children to use the, the force of their willpower to resist the lure of that content. It's just not a fair fight. And Florence very rightly says in the chat, adults have a problem with this. The children will have more of a problem too. If as adults we struggle with resisting the urge of the content that we are accessing online, how do we expect our children who have not yet finished developing their prefrontal cortex to be able to use the force of their willpower? You know, um, Go ahead. The, do you want to finish the sentence and then I'll, I'll say something? No, um, the, that sentence is all done. So go ahead. Jordan. Okay. So I want, I feel that I, I wish we could have a whole hour or a whole three hours for this, right? This is really, really um, important to, to dissect a little bit uh, for for all of us, uh, because um, there was a time that I, as a parent and as a human being, I did not see, I could not comprehend the impact of social media or the impact of my devices in my brain. I couldn't, I couldn't see it. It was like a, there was a time when cigarettes were on every commercial, and and and, and physicians were paid in a commercial to help Malboro, right? There was a time when we couldn't really see. And certainly there was a time for me. So I have a real compassion, a real space for for what for the for the unfortunate negative impact from ignorance about devices. Um but I'm hearing a lot that I love to dissect with you a lot more and uh and I'd like to take you, Robin, and then I want to say something else. Go ahead, Robin. Well, I, I love the idea that um, you said attention deficit disorder. I've always considered that as the child not being able to pay attention. But you just unpacked for me this idea that they're not getting attention from us. And the deficit isn't in their own ability to pay attention. The deficit is in the amount of attention they're being given. That's mind blowing to me. That totally changes the game right there for me. ADD isn't about the child's lack. It's about the parent. not. And when you said, what do you think they're giving them those phones for? Why were they doing it? To babysit them, to give the parents more opportunity to be free from their children so they didn't have to be watching them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you, if you have any question about that, there's a guy out there called Blippi who makes videos for kids, three-year-olds hour-long videos. The content isn't bad. It's great content, but parents are parking their children or three-year-olds in front of a screen 
so they can get an hour break. And Blippi's a millionaire because of it, because YouTube pays you by the number of hours people watch. So you are spot on with this, doctor. And I appreciate you opening up this conversation because it's, it's a terrible, terrible issue. My 20-year-old son sat here with me yesterday. And he said, you know, Dad, I, I was going to go work out this morning and I decided not to. And I sat in my bed and I read a book for an hour. And he says, you know what? I don't think 10% of the kids in my graduating class could sit down and read a book for an hour. I just don't think they could do it. So, so thank you for opening us up. Thank you for dedicating your life to working on this. And I would love to unpack this with you further, uh, even on a one-to-one to talk about my specific experience with a 26, a 21, and a 20-year-old who all got them at between 12 and 15, right? And one with very low self-esteem and what that has done to him. And I've watched it. I've seen it. So you're spot on. And if you need any studies, let me know. Thank you, Robin. Dr. Gupta, I'm going to take uh, the opportunity to uh, share um, the, uh, the the event you have coming up, right? And then maybe you can tell us a little bit more about it because this is very, very, very important. And I have a real compassion for parents. I, I really, when this, this is not about having parents feel bad about themselves, but they but discover a blind spot in their commitment to their children. So, Dr. Gupta, I understand that you are having, I know that you're having a retreat for families called that. Would you, do, would you tell us a little bit more about it? And then can you put the information in the chat so I can put it on Facebook? Absolutely. The Towards the end of this month, September 29th to August 1st, Freedom Foundation is leading of the first time ever a unique, all-inclusive unplug to reconnect digital reset retreat for families, where families with children of all ages are welcome to join us in the calming spaces of Natchez State Park in Tennessee. We have reserved eight lakeside private villas, one for each family. And the purpose of the retreat is to introduce these families to a life where technology enriches, not engulfs, to a life where every moment counts. We are not anti-technology, we are pro-balance. To help visualize these families what life after the retreat might look like even when they go home. Generally, when you talk about digital detox retreats, you unplug for those two or three days or for a week or two weeks, and then you go back to the rut of your life. This is different. There is education, there are workshops. I will personally be leading all of the workshops and that's why we are keeping it a small intimate group so I can interact with each family on a one-to-one basis. And the day before they go back home, we are going to have everybody bring out their devices and make settings, delete stuff, delete content from the devices that is clutter that they do not need to go back home with. So they're going to leave all of that clutter of their technology, of their devices, right there in the lakes of Natchez Trace State Park. Mm, I can't wait. Uh, I just can't imagine being in the woods, disconnecting, connecting with family, re-educating ourselves. Uh, this is a phenomenal opportunity for all families. And uh, so, so take a look at your calendar. Go ahead and click on the link. Dr. Gupta, you might put in the link there. So you can get more information, register yourself and bring your family. It is incredibly affordable, you'll see there. And um, and so, um, you know, it's 
that you know really is something really critical because if we had a chance to dive in a little bit more about this and without scaring people but anxiety is an all-time high depression is all-time high uh suicidal is an all-time high and it's not that circumstances are harder it has something to do with the way we are the ignorance of the way our brain works and how we're impacting it adults and children so dr gupta is there anything else um would you like to say to to end today's conversation well Life technology balance is possible. It is not as hard as it might seem. It does not mean you cannot use your devices for your phone. It's important to look at devices as tools and not 24/7 source of entertainment. As parents, we have to lead the way. We have to lead our families towards digital well-being and we have to trust that we can do it. and sometimes it's okay to ask for help this is a completely new issue there are not very many clinics out there for this but there there is help just reach out and ask for help you don't have to do it alone if you are struggling if your teenagers are struggling ask for help lead the way Thank you Dr. Gupta. Thank you for being here. Thank you all for being here. Thank you Robin, Stan, Harumi, Laura, CC, Dr. Kashish. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the family. See you guys. At the Daily Huddle, we agree that the best way to kick off the day is to adhere to Patty Dobrowski's seven principles. for having a happy body, sexy skin, a laughing spirit and a rewarding life. Give. Give of your time, your full attention and of your unique talents. Move. Move your body to keep it feeling energized and alive. Eat mostly plants. Plants are the purest fuel to help you reach your potential each day. Sleep. Sleep is how the body repairs itself. and readies us to give our very best each day stressless according to john perkins stress is just a problem without a solution choose your solution and dismiss that stress laugh laugh out loud from your belly to your chest and with your head tossed back you will fire up your endorphins and bring more energy to everyone around you love Most of all, love. With your words, your thoughts, and your actions, power them with love and watch the way you experience life elevate to all it can be. We thank you for joining us on the Daily Huddle. We are a growing tribe of passionate professionals seeking to inspire a new generation of leaders. Go out and share your unique ability to impact the world. Until next time.